Once there was a boy who kept sheep. Every morning he would take his sheep and head out to the pastures just outside the village. And the sheep would graze there and the boy would idle his time in the shade of an apple tree. Often when he would get bored of snoring under the tree or eating apples from it, he would climb up to the top of the tree and call out in a loud voice, Wolf! Wolf! The villagers would drop everything they were doing and they would run to the pastures to help the boy save his sheep from the wolf's sharp teeth. And once they arrived there, the boy would laugh and call out, Tricked you! The wicked little boy would play this joke every day until one day, the villagers got tired of him and decided to ignore him in the future. And one day as the boy sat eating apples on one of the branches of a tree, a wolf did come into the pasture. And the wolf saw the large herd of sheep and jumped right into the midst of it. And the boy shouted in fear, Wolf! Wolf! And the villagers heard his cry and nodded to each other. There goes that boy again with his pranks, said the villagers. Oh, but we will not be tricked by him again, will we, said another. And the villagers went about their work as usual, ignoring the boy's cries. The boy saw the wolf eat up his sheep, and he ran to the villagers, calling them to come and help him. But the villagers just scowled at him and went about their business. And the boy ran back to the past pasture, but the wolf had already killed most of his sheep, finishing a hearty meal. The moral of that story is, one seldom believes a liar even when he is telling the truth. Now, you've probably read that before. It's one of Aesop's tales. Who is Aesop? Well, there he is, stony man that he is. He was a Greek fabulist that lived somewhere around 620 to 564 BC, and some question whether he even wrote the stuff that uh, is credited to him. But there's almost always a moral to the story. And not that I'm comparing the two, but Jesus often spoke in parables. Now, I hope you're not disappointed today because I'm not going to talk about any parables today. We're just going to talk about parables. But we will talk about each, not each one, but a lot of them in the next few weeks. James Martin, in his book on Jesus, a pilgrimage, tells of trying to find a place called the, the sea of, in the Sea of Galilee, and it was called the Bay of Par Parables. And he searched all over, and he couldn't find it, and, and he'd asked different people, and they didn't know where it was. And finally, he came up across this, this Russian monk, and the Russian monk said, yes, I know where that is. And he drew out a, a map, and he and his friend went out and found this natural amphitheater on the Sea of Galilee, an area where Jesus could have gone out on a, on a boat. And, and when he talked, people could hear. And he said as he stood there, he looked around, and he saw rocky ground and fertile soil and stony ground and even a thorn bush. And it made him realize that Jesus used common things to get his point across. Think about it for just a minute. Some concepts cannot be completely understood. 
especially those with much rooting in tradition and, and uh, some of the teaching that we've been taught. But can you explain all the nuances of grace? Do you fully fathom the depths of God's love? Do you completely and fully understand the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven? Can you truly, truly describe and explain the implications of baptism? That's why Jesus used parables. So he could get his point across so people could understand him because sometimes there were concepts that, that some people wouldn't hear. C.H. Dodd defines a parable as a metaphor or simile drawn from nature or common life. And it says it's also uh, in its arresting the hearer by its vividness or strangeness and leaving the mind in sufficient doubt about its precision, precise application to tease it into active thought. The Greek word for parable means to place one thing beside another. And the parable is a form of analogy that seeks to illuminate one reality by appealing to something better known. And you may question, especially in the light of these definitions, you know, doubt the application or strangeness. Remember even the apostles as Jesus tells the story of the sower, the parable of the sower. Then get done, and, and after everybody else goes away, the, the, the disciples come to him and say, exactly what did that mean? Or strangeness. Can you imagine to a good Jewish man what would happen when Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan? Because you see, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were not people that were to be respected or liked or even tolerated. And here's this guy who falls along the wayside, and here comes a priest, and he goes on the other side. Yeah, he would be the hero, he'd be the one, but no, he walks away. Well, then here comes a Levite. Yeah, that's the one. But it's a Samaritan that comes. And you can imagine to the Jew good Jewish ear, how strange that would sound. I've been reading in my personal reading in the books of Numbers and Deuteronomy. And in those books, God reiterates what he wants the Israelites to do in the land of Canaan. And the instructions are pretty clear. He tells them, don't worship the gods who are presently living in the land. And if you know the biblical history of Israel, you know that it didn't take long for them to start worshiping idols. You know it didn't take long for them to start doing the things that the other people in the area did, to intermarry and those kind of things. And they went into captivity. They had kings and all that kind of stuff. And they finally went into captivity because God just got so tired of them. And Isaiah comes along and he says, you know, who's going to do this? Who's going to take care? Who's going to take this message? And he says, here am I, send me. And God tells Isaiah this strange prophecy. He says, go and tell this people, be ever hearing but never understanding, be ever seeing but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes 
Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. It's almost as if God doesn't want them to understand what's being said. And you say, I don't know how that could happen. Just this morning, I'm watching television. Well, the television is on. And I'm looking at my iPad, and Martha said, what did they say? What? I don't know. I wasn't listening. I heard everything that was said, but I didn't understand. I didn't hear what it said. Spouses, you know that happens all the time, don't you? But listen to how Jesus phrases this, this time in Matthew chapter 13, starting in verse 13. He says, this is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, and though hearing they do not hear, understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. In other words, Jesus is saying, I want them to hear, but they refuse. I want them to, to know the love of God, but for some reason they don't want to know. For the next several weeks, we're going to be talking about several of the parables that Jesus told. The growing seed, the parable of the sower, wheat and the weeds, the prodigal son, the Pharisee and the tax collector, the good Samaritan. And Jesus tells these stories to make things loud and clear and not soft and cloudy. And really, he's dealing with our hearts. And so my challenge to you is this. I want you to enter the story. I want you to become part of the story. So often we think the preacher is talking about somebody else. Well, it's, you know, I, I, and I may have told you this, but I'm telling you again. I remember one time preaching a sermon, and somebody from one specific group came up to me and said, do you think they hear that, heard that? And I said, well, I hope so. And then someone from the other group came up and said, do you think they heard that? And I said, well, I hope so. And sometimes we think it's for everybody else, but not for me. I want us to look at these things and to realize that these parables are not necessarily for these people, but for anyone. Anyone who wants to hear. Anyone who wants to see. Anyone who wants to be a follower of Jesus. When the Pharisees and teachers of the law heard these parables, some of these, they became incensed because they knew that Jesus was talking about them, but he didn't specifically say in a lot of cases. Remember what the definition of a parable is, to lay alongside. I want us to literally, and I, I, maybe I shouldn't say literally, but I want us to take our lives and lay them alongside these parables.
I want us to lie down with them. I want us to, to see them for the first time as if it were the first time. We need to come alongside these things and ask, what do I need to learn from this? Not what do they need to learn, not what they want, but how can I apply this to my life? How can I really identify with the prodigal son? Can I really understand what it's like to lose something and search the whole house until I find it? I'm so happy that I invite everybody to come celebrate. What does it feel like to see someone along the road broken and disheartened in need of help? Do I pass on the other side? How do I respond when I hear the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector? Do I smugly say, Lord, you're lucky to have me? I'm glad I'm not like these other people. Because if we don't lie down with these concepts, then I'm afraid we'll become, as Jesus said, listening but not understanding. Looking but not seeing. And the kingdom New Testament says this people's heart has gone flabby and fat. Ears that are muffled and dull. I've been thinking about this a lot lately. As I, as I look out on you. And I think sometimes as a preacher I, I kind of I kind of lay into you. And I kind of say, you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing that. But I started thinking about you as a church. And I started thinking about these parables and, and the prediction and the prophecy that, that was made by Isaiah and then Jesus saying, you know, having ears but not hearing. And I thought, that's not you. That's not us. We want to hear what Jesus has to say. We want to see and perceive what he has in store for us. We don't want it to be muffled and cloudy. We want it to be loud and clear in our lives. And I pray that this doesn't describe us. But instead, I hope that this description describes us. But there's great news for your eyes. They can see. And for your ears, they can hear. As we study these parables, let's apply them to our lives and make sure that they make a difference in our lives. Well, that's our introduction to parables. We're going to get more specific as the weeks go on. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I want us to look inward. Darrell has selected an invitation song here in just a moment that we're going to sing. Our shepherds and their wives will be in the back. If you want to talk to them, that's the purpose. That's what they're there for, is for you to talk to them. Maybe there's a prodigal soul, a son in, in your life, or maybe you're the the, the son who's always been around and griping about everybody else. Maybe you've lost something and found it. 
Maybe you, you have something in, of joy to rejoice. You know, we, we didn't ever say that when you go and talk to our shepherds that, that it's always something that's amiss in your life. Maybe it's a, a triumph that you have that you just want to share with somebody. If there's any kind of need like that, if there's anything that you want to, to say or anything like that, would you come as we stand and sing? <clears throat>